Hello, welcome to the Transit Matters Podcast. This is show number 11 for, uh, we're recording this on the 5th of March, 2015. And just a couple quick announcements before we go any further here. We are having a meetup, uh, we, uh, I guess we're going to call it uh, Beer in Transit. Is it going to be at a to-be-determined location uh, this coming Wednesday, March 11th, so uh, check the website for that. And uh, we've had some issues with the podcast feed. Uh, we're, I'm really not a tech person, and I've had a really hard time with it. But I think I got it up and running. Um, so you can go um, and try to check iTunes. And if you find this episode in there, you can subscribe there. You can also check the website, transitmatters.info. There is a, um, the um, link is there. And um, if, if you cannot um, find the link, if you want to do it manually, the link is transitmatters.info slash blog slash question mark category equals podcast and uh, that's spelled podcast with a capital p uh, and then and uh, format equals rss so category equals podcast and format equals rss uh, and podcast with a capital p for some reason i don't know why um, so you feel free to do that yourself um, now uh, stay tuned for the show i'm jeremy mendelson i am one of your regular co-hosts, and I am a transit service planner with experience in public transit service design and operations, and uh, also doing a lot of advocacy stuff, trying to jump on in here. Yeah, and I'm Mark Ibunia. I'm the curator of our blog and social media feeds. By day, I'm an IT systems administrator, and by night, I'm the Leslie Nope of transit, geeking out over meeting celebrities in transport and getting knee-deep in advocacy. Unfortunately, today, we don't have Josh Fairchild. He was here just a few minutes ago, um, but he did have to leave us. But today we do have a special guest here. Uh, we are joined with uh, joined by Richard Parr of the uh, Mass Inc. Polling Group. Hi there. How are you? Um, yes, my name is Rich Parr. I'm the research director of the Mass Inc. Polling Group, and um, I also do a little bit of transportation work for Mass Inc., which is our parent think tank. And um, and before that, I was the policy director at A Better City, which does transportation stuff for the business community in Boston. Cool. So I think we've I think we've gone over a lot of the news that's that, it, that there is news to speak of, um, but I guess we'll we'll get right into talking about um, about some of the polls that that uh, Mass Inc has has been doing uh, to kind of gauge uh, get a get a really good feel for for how people feel about the T and and you've been tracking this over time. Um, could you discuss a little bit more about the changes from the 2013 transportation funding policy? Uh, polling rather to today. Uh, how how do people how have how have people changed their opinions over time about? Uh, I mean, is it are we wasting our money on the T? Is it is it money worth spend? Should we spend more money on the T? Well, um, so that's a lot. Let me unpack that a little bit. Um, <laughs> so what I would say is, uh, for, first off, we uh, conducted a poll in February, middle of February, for WBUR, which is a uh, the, uh, our our kind of partner in doing elections and political polling uh, that's released publicly, and uh, you know we at, we wanted it was right in the middle of everything that was going on with the T, and so we wanted to get kind of a read of where people were on it right then. And as you mentioned, back in 2012-2013, we did um, a very extensive kind of public opinion research project about funding for transportation, and the reason we did that was. There was a lot of talk in the legislature at that time that there was going to be some something done about funding for transportation. So we did a bunch of focus groups and two polls around the around the state. Um, the numbers are not completely comparable, I should say, because the poll that we did recently is only within 128. So it's the city of Boston and 30 or so other towns. And the other stuff we were doing was kind of spread out across the entire state because if you're going to raise people's taxes, you want to know where people everywhere. And, and we also were talking about all sorts of transportation in our previous work, including the T. Uh, the most recent poll was um, just about the T. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, one of the big changes that we've noticed um, has to do with kind of the level of priority that people put on the transportation issue in the wake of the snowstorm. Uh, normally when we do uh, um, political polling, we ask people kind of, what issues are important to them, what they think should be a priority for state government. Um, and normally what happens is that there's kind of three issues that sort of rise to the top tier. Um, jobs in the economy, uh, education, and health care. And, uh, and then you kind of get a drop-off, and then in the, in, in the second tier or so, you know, um, you're, you're finding things like transportation, um, 
taxes sometimes is in the is in, is in a lower tier for in Massachusetts depending right. on the situation. Right. Um, when we asked that question after, in the midst of the snow in February, um, again within this kind of you know 128 region, we found that 81 percent of um, of voters because we're doing a voter poll here uh, want wanted fixing the T to become a major priority for Governor Baker. That's the kind of number that jobs in the economy, education, healthcare routinely get when you do a survey like this. Right. Um, and it, which means basically it's sort of a 50, 50 point jump up from where transportation normally is. That's a pretty remarkable uh, uh, change. Yes, especially um, considering how much advocates have been shouting about yeah. fixing the T for the past several years. The, the other, the other thing I would say, the other change that I, that we would note is um, has to do with the condition of the T. Mm -hmm. So we did, uh, we asked a lot of folks kind of their perception of of the con of the condition of the transit system and the bridges and roads in general um, back in 2012 and 2013. And yeah. it's interesting because even though the legislature was choosing to prioritize this, the public didn't really perceive a real sense of crisis. In fact, comparing the numbers that we found then to a previous poll that had been done in 2008, uh, the numbers were actually better. And um, you could make the argument that some of the stuff that happened in the 2009 uh, legislation and uh, things like the Accelerated Bridge Program right. um, may have changed people's opinion and made people think that there was more being done about transportation and that stuff was therefore better. So legislative action, despite sort of a little bit of a perhaps less of a crisis now, we see... Uh, a, a very much a sense of crisis around the MBTA. And, the, and, and the, the way that we can tell that is that we asked about the T's condition in January of 2015, and then we asked it again in February. <laughs> and we found, um, you know, the, the way we asked the question is we asked people, you know, what do you rate the condition of the T? Excellent, good, fair, or poor. Um, the percentage of people who think that the T is in poor condition jumped nearly 30 points in right. the space of a month. Right. Well, when your trains aren't coming, then it's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's very obvious. I mean, yeah, on, on the one hand, it's sort of an obvious finding. In fact, yeah. you know, we were joking in the office when we got the, the things like, we want to find these respondents who think that um, the T is in excellent condition. Because, <laughs> you know, it being statistic, there's always a distribution, and there's always some people who think that. But um, it, it was just a staggering change in the numbers. Mm -hmm. And that is another indication the people that there's been sort of a change of mind about this issue. So people think the T is in poor condition now. They want the governor to do something about it. Right. right. Um, they don't necessarily blame him. I want to say because you know we did ask people who do you think is most responsible for what happened with the T this winter, and we gave them options like you know kind of the current actors, if you will. Mm -hmm. So the governor and the mayor and and Bev Scott, but we also included. Um, previous governors, and we included the state legislature. And when you take previous governors and the state leg legislature together, you get a majority. So 52% are picking one of those two categories. I think right. it was 27% for um, the legislature and 25% for previous governors. And, and that's an indication to us that, um, that people see this as sort of a structural problem. You know, they're not rushing to blame the existing Just management. Heads. They're not. Yeah. They're not blaming the existing management of the T. They're not blaming yeah. the current governor. They understand that this is a problem that goes back a long way. Mm -hmm. You know, we ask people, um, "Do you blame what happened on um, the condition of the of of the system, or do you blame it on management decisions that were made during the storm?" And overwhelmingly, 66% of people blamed the condition, you know, the condition of the of the rolling stock and the rails and all that kind of equipment, as opposed to, um, uh, the, you know, management decisions that have been made. You know, I think only 17% picked that. So these are all indications to us that we think that the public is pretty tuned in. That they've 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 there's been a lot of reports and research and reporting. Most of the media coverage has sort of honed in on the fact that this has been a long-term problem, and I think that people kind of get that. So mm -hmm. there does seem like there's been a shift um, in a way on this, and, the, and that the public is now sort of at a place, um, at least at the time when we pulled them in February, that they might be interested in doing something here. So they're looking for answers. They're looking for ways to... Yeah, well, they're looking for action, actually. I mean, I'm, you know, when you see a number like 81% want the T fixed, they want the governor to make that a major priority. Right. Um yeah, that's significant. And I think you see, I think you actually kind of see a little bit of a change in the way that the governor reacted to the situation. Um, early on, you know, it was very much sort of um, 
you know, there, it, was, it was reported in the media that he hadn't had a conversation directly with Bev Scott, that mm-hmm. there was sort of an intermediary relationship going on there. Um, and then uh, later on in the crisis, you know, he's having direct meetings with Keolis and really taking them to task and you know, really tough talk from both, um, you know, both the transportation secretary and the governor. Um, so I think they've really had, and, and the governor has, t- has, has spoken to the media about sending members of his own executive team, you know, folks like who do communications and, and, you know, kind of fix stuff for him down to the T to actually work with the people there and kind well, of make things better. It's not very far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, you yeah. know, they, they took some pretty, you know, creative steps, right? They, yeah. they brought in the National Guard to help shovel out the tracks. They, um, you know, they brought in, you know, Peter Pan buses and worked with the unions to make sure that that was okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they, I think once once they kind of put their attention on it, they, they really kind of reacted to it. And, and, you know, of course, the question is, you know, what happens next? Right. Right. So, so, and I guess that's where that's where we're going to get answers and hopefully action out of out of the governor's uh, committee there for uh, committee standing committee. What are we calling it? A um, commission? Calls, I think he calls it a special panel. Special panel. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's the, spe- the specific term that we'll use. So, I mean, uh, I guess what we're hoping that they'll come up with, and and I think a lot of advocates are are are. Um, Cautiously, I, I feel. I feel like some of us feel like this is. We've seen this before. We've seen tons of reports, and we. I think we know what the answers are going to be. Um, and so, so that said, you you have pulled in, pulled previously um, about what types of funding people are in favor of, considering the fact that it seems like people do want. Um, or they do see that funding is an answer, or they're they're coming to terms with the fact that um, this is a, a long-term systemic capital issue, capital funding issue, um, and what types of funding that people are in favor of to to bridge that gap and to to basically uh, catch up to the 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 what we're now seeing is I think it's seven billion dollars in the in the backlog, or is was six billion the the rounding up. Six point seven is yeah. I believe. So, then, but you're, so you're, you're if we want to round up, correct. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. I mean that's that's a number yeah. that has come out of the T in recent days, just in the past week. And yeah. you know, they, I mean, there's probably some dispute in there. I heard that there was, I heard that there was some discussion of the T. Didn't even know they weren't even keeping track of it because, well, nobody's paying for it, so why why should we even bother keeping track of it? So, I mean, yeah, there's probably um, different numbers floating around, right? For what that's worth, I have. I've heard that um, there are other people looking at this number, and that that number is probably going to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So, but it is six point seven right now, which is up from three, which was the last number that the T had produced, and that was produced some was years ago. From the D'Alessandro report, right? Uh, it might have been that was the number then. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, it's again, five years ago. But I mean, the other thing too is that the T has also paid for, and, and uh, over the past. Several years, and I think they're still working on a a uh, an, basically a, an asset tracking system that that brings a lot of this into the fore and makes it easier for them to come up with these numbers and really get a feel of how much are we how much how much in terms of of capital assets really need either replacement repair whatever. Yeah. Um, Can we also yeah. clarify what when we we talk about this number with six point seven or whatever it yeah. ends up being ten billion or whatever. Um, what what are we talking about here? Are we talking about strict state of good repair for the things that we have now, or is there something some other definition of this of what that of the number that, that it would cost this much to to do what? I, th- I think it was I think it was specifically uh, cited as the the yeah, cost for state of good repair. It's to get what to, they have into a state of good repair, exclusive. I understand it of the commuter rail. So we're not even talking about the commuter rail. Yeah, guys. We're talking <laughs> so that about, will definitely be going. We're talking on. about buses, subways. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it includes things like ADA, like you know, you have to um, update a station to be compliant. Does mm-hmm. that count as state of good repair? Is that kind of something else? But I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty much just the core system. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's five to six times their actual annual operating budget, mm-hmm. and they have no outside capital. Revenue source—it's all kind of like in one budget. Right. So you know, if they're going to do capital, it comes out of op- they can't do operating, and if they want to do operating, they can't do capital, and that's that's kind of right. kind of a bit of the problem that's going on right now. So. To to clarify for our listeners, I think uh, just 
the the difference between operating operating is is what pays for the wages, the fuel, the electricity, um, and then whereas the capital is, uh, that's where the expansions get paid out of. That's where we buy new. That, yeah. That's the budget that we get new buses and, 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 and trains. And I'm sorry, I, I should clarify. I mean, the yeah. T can issue bonds. Yes. Right, just like the state can issue bonds. So it's when they do capital, they're, they're usually borrowing for it. But it's the debt service on the bonds right. that comes out of the same budget as the operating. Yeah. So, so that's, that's yeah. You know, their debt service is roughly equivalent, or was at one point roughly equivalent to their entire payroll. Mm-hmm. Their debt service was at one point entirely equivalent to all of their fair revenue. I believe it still is at this it's, point. Yeah, fair revenue has, yeah. has inched up a little bit in part because they raise fares and in part because despite raising fares, ridership actually stayed pretty good. Yes. So, um, but it is roughly, you know, in the ballpark of that. So that's, that, that, that is where the argument for taking some of the debt off of the books kind of comes from is when people look at numbers like that and they're like, well, what's going on here? So, right. No, with regard to taking the debt off the books, I mean, does that... I've heard, I've heard it discussed, you know, and a lot of people sort of sort of go to that as that we have to get we have to get the debt off the books, you know, to start with. But does that actually, like, does that actually help to either transfer that to the state to make it the state's debt, or, I mean, unless we had, I mean, I guess this is all about revenue, but um, does it does it actually help to remove the debt from the T as opposed to just coming up with a plan over years to pay for it yeah well that's what the legislature has been doing now for some time is giving the t additional money on top of the penny of the sales tax yes to um to help them operate but but functionally what that kind of means is that they're giving them money to pay their debt so the issue with the debt is is well first off t debt is supported by the full faith and credit of the commonwealth yeah um the t has a bond rating and the commonwealth has a bond rating and if they're pretty equal right now, but there have been times when the T's bond rating was actually better than the Commonwealth's. Mm-hmm. So if you were to take some debt off of the T's books and put it on the Commonwealth's books, you could actually end up in a situation where everybody, taxpayers, T riders included, um, ends yeah, up paying, paying more, more. Yeah. depending on the deal, right? Yeah. So that's that's a problem. Um, it, 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 so it may actually end up making more kind of fiscal sense just to give the T more money. And you see, you know, uh, Governor Baker just released his budget yesterday and did include more money for the T in his budget. He, he level funded and, and cut a lot of things right. in his budget. But one thing he did not do was he, he did increase the amount for the T. Now, there are some people who say, well, yes, he did increase it. He did not increase it as much as the T was supposed to get this year based on the 2013 financing law. Right. But as we all know, parts of that revenue from that law have gone away now, right? Because they were have, dependent on. <laughs> well, we don't. We don't have the tech tax. We don't have the gas tax. Yeah. So he's. You know, I think the number he came up with for for the T this year was one eighty seven, one hundred eighty seven million. Mm-hmm. I think they were supposed to get two two oh three. It's pretty close. And when you look at the rest of the budget and the real cuts and actual and level funding, which in an inflationary environment is kind of like a cut. Right. That other people are seeing, it's not terrible, you know. Um, it's it's it it is a it is a signal that he wants to invest in it. Now, whether the house wants to go along with it or not, I don't know. I've seen some statements that say that they are very frustrated with the T, and they really want to you know get into the the weeds on reform and reorganization before they even think about giving the T more right. money. So that's a discussion too. Um, I, I do want to say just to get back to the polling for a second that. Because I think the original question was about kind of revenue options. Right, exactly. We did ask people whether they would pay more money to fix the T. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are really split on this. Um, uh, we asked, you know, would you support paying more in taxes or fees to improve the MBTA? Now, this is, again, within the region that's that's served by the MBTA, right? So some of these people are probably paying fares already, and perhaps mm-hmm. they feel like, you know, that ought to cover it. Um, we all know that it doesn't, but they may, <laughs> they may feel that way. Yeah. Uh, and but but people are very evenly divided. Forty eight percent support, forty eight forty eight percent oppose. Mm-hmm. Intensity is a little bit more on the side of oppose because you know strongly opposes thirty three percent and strongly support is twenty four percent. So what what that means basically is that you've got a divided public. Maybe people are a little bit more on the side of of, of, of opposing it. Mm-hmm. It is a tax question, and tax right. tax people tend not to want to you know support new taxes for things. But yeah. um, does that come down to 
the issue, I mean, you know, we always hear these issues talked about of, you know, mismanagement and pensions and whatever, which is all kind of BS, and we've talked about this ad nauseum. But is there a sense within the public that that's, that's still a major thing that people are thinking about? Because uh, I'd love to think we've kind of moved beyond that, but um, I, swear, I wonder if that kind of goes hand in hand with this yeah. issue of not wanting more taxes. Well, we right. did we did ask a question about that. Um, so, as I said, we asked kind of the who do you think is responsible question, and but we also asked the what do you think is responsible question. And, 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 and there we framed it as being specifically about the state of good repair shortfall. Right. Um, you know, the, what we told people was, Recent reports indicate the MBTA faces shortfalls in the billions of dollars for maintaining and modernizing the system. Which do you think is most responsible? And the options were, and we rotated them to avoid bias, but I'll just read them here. Um, Not enough money from the state legislature, 30% of people in the 128 areas thought that. Waste and mismanagement of funds, 36. Uh, And prioritizing expanding the system over maintaining the current system at 23%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's no clear, there's no clear leader in this. I mean, waste and mismanagement is the top um, is the is the top choice by you know six points over not enough money. Um, we asked a similar, uh, not exactly the same question, but we asked a question about kind of the prevalence of waste and mismanagement when we did our surveys in 2012 and 2013, and there we found a much higher number. You know, people were 70 percent of people were saying that the reason that there's not enough money for transportation writ large, not the T, um, was because of waste and mismanagement. Because they still think that it's 1970 yeah. and people are pushing around envelopes full of full of money. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't, I, we don't know the reason for that. But, but, but there yeah. is a perception, and we've seen this in other political polling that mm-hmm. we did. You know, we did the tracking poll for BUR during the election, and we asked a question one week about, you know, we asked people, well, what, uh, of every tax dollar, what, uh, how many cents do you think are wasted? Um, that's an interesting I'm glad because, uh, so yeah. so what, what what number you know uh, I guess I'll ask you guys you know what how, what what perhaps what not what you think but what do you think the average person it's like family feud oh, what do you think yeah, the average yeah. person says right oh yeah so I mean I would I'd probably say maybe 50, 50 to sixty percent so no the, the perception that people yeah. think I mean okay. it depends on what it depends on you know what your definition of wasted and I think this yeah, is the kind true. of thing where it's I sort of I often talk about. You know, people say when people see a you know, see a project or a figure, they're like, they're like, oh, that's too much money, or right. that's too many houses, or and it's just like, what are you comparing this to? Why do you arbitrarily decide that X billion dollars is, is too much? And I think that has a lot to do with you know what is it, what is waste and and all that. So it's it's definitely perception, and it's, it's all arbitrary. And I I'm suspect it's, it's I, I know it's, yeah. it's very high in the public. Yeah, it was. Um, so you were actually a little little high. Um, it was wow. forty three cents on the okay. dollar was was what people thought on on an average, right? Mm-hmm. So we just asked a number, and then we took the five hundred respondents respondents who, who who well less than that who actually volunteered an answer, right? And they said forty three cents. So the fact that not enough money and waste and mismanagement are even close here is kind of an indication that there are some people at least that get it that, mm-hmm. that there is this kind of um that there is a, that there they think that there is this not enough money from the state legislature i will note that the you know 23 percent, so nearly a quarter are saying are talking about this idea of that, that we've expanded the system too quickly and that at, at the expense of maintenance and, mm-hmm. and this is an idea that's been out there and that, that you know people of a certain political point of view have been putting out that that's because expansion is um, is the cause of all right this. that we're technically the fastest growing transit system in the nation or something like that was one of the institute uh, was what some institute uh, recently yeah. put out or? I think they said the the fastest growing major transit system and I'm not sure what they meant by by major. In, in, in <laughs> I was going to say, but... this is not, this is a big myth that's been perpetrated, you know, over and over again in media lately, and, you know, it's 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 like, there's two prongs to it. You know, one is that, mm-hmm. yeah, we haven't been, we haven't, the system hasn't really been expanding in any noticeable way for the vast, vast majority of people who use it. I mean, yeah, we've had a couple of extensions here and there, but we haven't, we haven't done anything to do anything in the city, and your average rider, right. it looks the same as it did in the 80s. The other, I should say, late '80s when you get the orange line, um, and the other thing is that people say, "Well, you know, you, you we expanded, but the population hasn't increased significantly." We were just talking about this before, and you said, "What well, the population in Boston has increased? What ten percent since 2000?" 
Um, yeah, so, yeah. so I'm, the other, uh, there are two parts to what has been said about this. And one has to do with the expansion of the system, and one has to do with the growth of the population that's being served. And I'm not exactly sure where kind of the source numbers are on the actual original statement. It's not entirely clear, but so I'll give the benefit of the doubt. But I will say that just if you look at the city of Boston alone, um, since 2000, I believe, uh, Boston has grown at a rate of 9.6% or mm-hmm. nearly 10%. And um, the rest of the state during that period grew at a much lower rate, so 5.4%. Um, there are, I will say there are cities in, in, in America that are growing at much higher rates than that. Um, some of them are smaller cities, and so when you have, you know, kind of in terms of raw numbers, when you have a smaller city, a smaller number is a smaller is a larger percent, right? Right. Um, but Boston has been growing pretty dramatically, and at the same time, the people who are coming to Boston um, are of a certain demographic that is really more inclined towards riding the T, myself included. <laughs> um, so you know, you yeah. see, I think there was a stat um, from from the Boston Redevelopment Authority from a couple of years ago that basically said that as the population of Boston was going up, the percentage, the number of uh, cars that were being registered in the city was going down. Yeah. But I think it's 10,000 over the past, uh, loss of 10,000 registrations yeah. over the past uh, three years or something, yeah. in that same time period that we've gained yeah. more than 10,000 residents for, of Boston. Yeah. And Cambridge and Somerville and Quincy are also growing at faster than the, you know the rate of the state. So... Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you kind of have to combine those two statements and just and, 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 and think about them. But um, the other thing I'll say is that not all transit systems around the country do what the T does. The T runs commuter rail, heavy rail, light rail, bus, ferries, paratransit. Um, paratransit is very expensive it is. and is a major, major, major problem for the MBTA, it's I will say. One of the biggest... Uh, it's, also very, it's also very, really important. But yeah. it's also really expensive. It's it's been growing yeah. faster than so, it's been one of the biggest the, the fastest growing cost factors on their operating budget. But I guess my point is that when you're talking about um, like comparing the T's growth to other systems, yeah, you kind of need to think about comparing apples to to apples. Mm-hmm. And there aren't too many other systems that do all of the different things that the T does. So I'm not. It's you know you just need to make sure you have the right comparables there. Um, there was a there was a good report when I was at my my previous job. I worked on a report um, with a bunch of other groups uh, that looked at just sort of the current capacity of the core of the MBTA. So we're not talking about expansion here. We're talking about the red line, the orange line, the green line, silver line, um, and and compared that then to like all the real estate development that was kind of mm-hmm. in the pipeline at that time. Um, and and basically the argument was that. You know, ridership is, is, is already predicted to go up. It's probably going to go up even more with, with the real estate development that's about to happen. Um, and a lot of the lines at that time were already over or at or pretty near capacity mm-hmm. um, in their current state. So, yeah, if you improve the signal system, the power system, if you get new cars and you can run the cars more closely together, you can squeeze more capacity out of the, of the existing system. There's no question about that. Right. But... It's, it's just an interesting. It's it's not clear to me whether or not you how much how much more you can get out of that versus having to do something a little bit more dramatic. Right. And have you have you polled people on on whether that or not they understand these different these different uh, aspects of expansion or, or or capital investment in the T? Um, if they understand the difference between uh, modernization versus bringing up to state of good repair, because as we mentioned earlier, there's that six six point uh, seven mil- billion dollar backlog in state of good repair. Um, but if we if that goes back into the system, um, chances are that people will not perceive necessarily a a bump in in the quality of the service. They'll, they might see a. Re- a, an improvement in, in the, the regularity of trains or the infrequency of trains breaking down, but you know, you're still going to have buses that get stuck in traffic because they don't have dedicated bus lanes or you know, right. the C line that still gets stuck behind red lights because you know, yeah. Brookline prioritizes left turners. <laughs> um, well, this is interesting because yeah. you're, what you're talking about is, is, how, is the, like, the idea that if you just fund, if you just say like it's supposed to have this much money, 
and we want to just make it run. We're supposed to have to this type of equipment, yeah. Right, and so maybe people don't notice that so much. I think is what you're getting at, yeah. right? And so, so sort of the idea, like maybe do maybe we need to to do more than that right now. We need to package it all together because right. otherwise, like if people don't see, then are they gonna like. I don't know, are they going to yeah. rebel in some way? Right. If we only pay for, and like you mentioned, that's that $6.7 billion without without factoring into the commuter rail. If we if that number ends up being $7, $8 billion, um, you know, how do, we, how do we as advocates, how do politicians, um, how does everyone um, who has a say in this conversation and, and who, know, who really knows the, the, the backstory, how, how does that... How do we engage the public on that in that dialogue? What what happens? What what do we really? Because it, it seems like this is one of those things that people only really reflect on until after the fact. Whereas yeah. we're just starting that conversation about you know providing that revenue for the T as as you yeah. Told. We've had a, a there there are these tough um, dichotomies in the way that we talk about this. You know, we talk about reform versus or reform before revenue. That's been a thing that has been kind of in the the you know, yeah. the mindset for a long time. Yeah. Um, and also this now, this, this is a relatively, I would say relatively newer idea, but it's still been around for a while, this idea of maintenance versus expansion. Um, it's, I think in both cases, you need to kind of think about how can we find a way to do a little bit of both, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to be mindful that not every project is going to get done. But so we need to really choose the ones that we want to do smartly. Right. And it seems to me that if you could, like, fix signal prioritizations so that a bus or the green line doesn't get stuck behind people who are making left turns or that the light turns for the bus right away, um, or you can do off-fare, you know, boarding collections mm-hmm. so that um, people can get on faster, that these are kinds of little things that kind of make a big difference. I mean, real-time data was a really... Um, is a really great thing about the bus. Right. Um, unfortunately, there's been a lot of trouble with it during the um, during the recent snowstorm. I, I don't know how they kind of do the algorithm of how they kind of you know tell you when the bus is coming, but it seems to be problems with buses getting dropped and disappearing and stuff like that. But there's a lot of kind of systems system stuff that you can do to make the experience better. Um, but there are kind of these bigger structural things happening. Boston is growing. The T is not really growing. So what are we going to do about that? Um, they need to be need to be dealt with. We did um, ask about expansion in a couple of ways in the MBTA poll that we just did. Uh, like I said, we talked about this idea that, you know, prioritizing, um, expanding the system over maintaining the current system, that, that people think that that, some people, a quarter of people think that that's a root cause of what's going on here. Right. Um, but we also wanted to, to get a sense of, you know, what people think we should do going forward. So we asked them, we gave them two options, basically. And we said, you know, what should we do? Um, should the MBTA uh, focus only on maintaining and modernizing the system that we already have? So this is kind of the maintenance argument, if you will. Mm-hmm. Just fix the state of good repair and leave it as it is. Uh, and then we also asked, in addition to maintenance, uh, we should continue to expand the system to build capacity for the future. So this is the expand, build capacity argument, mm-hmm. right? Um, note that, you know, in both cases, we're, we're doing maintenance. It's just whether we're going to do maintenance and something else or just maintenance. Um, and people were pretty split. 48% think that we should just do the maintenance, just kind of maintain what we already have. 44% said that we should continue to expand, we should continue to build capacity. So, you know, this is going to be one of the big questions coming out of the panel that, um, you know, the governor has appointed. You right. know, should, you know, they're going to give him a recommendation about, you know, given the state of affairs and, you know, I think they're going to look at organizational things. I think they're going to look at governance things. I think they're going to look at financial things. Um, you know, what is it that we should be uh, doing, you know? And if they come back to him and say, you know, really, given the, the finances and the way things are, we should really just pull back drastically, that's going to be a really big challenge for mm-hmm. for advocates, right? Um, you know, to deal with. What do you mean pull in, back? In terms of pulling back for advocating for expansions, like that, that go farther out from the core or... Well, just the argument that, um, you know, if they if they come back and say, given the, you know, the state of things, the T should really just focus on what it has. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a tough thing for people who want South Coast Rail. It's going to be a tough thing right. for people who want... I don't think it's going to impact the Green Line extension very much because we already have we federal, exactly. federal money to yeah. do that in the 
the, there's a legal commitment there. Um, the big thing with the Green Line extension has always been, do we have enough money to operate the system once we have it, as mm -hmm. opposed to actually to build it? Mm -hmm. Because the federal money, federal government is very willing to give you money to build something. They're, not, they're less my, uh, willing to give you money to operate it if you're over a certain um, size metropolitan right. area. And we are definitely big enough that we shouldn't be getting operating funds from the federal government. It's 200,000 population, I believe, is the uh, yeah. limit. Yeah, it's the, yeah, the MSA has yeah. to be over 200,000. And there's like, I mean, we know all these these new transit systems all over these new starts that are, you know, they open. I think St. Louis is a good good example. It's been used for years where they opened and they, uh, you know, they spent all this money on this light rail line and they were running it like every half an hour. Mm -hmm. they, just, they just couldn't afford it. Austin, Texas, I think. Oh, right. that's interesting. So they, this, this happens. Yeah, they couldn't afford to run it at, at a, at a uh, pace that would make it actually accessible for people to use as a means of primary transportation, which is... Yeah. And, and I should mention that this is a big part of the T's problem, actually, that, yeah. that a lot of people don't notice. Like, people talk about these big these big dig commitments that, you know, the T was required mm -hmm. to do because, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But in addition to the, the capital costs that are now in the T's debt, there's also the, well, now you just built this thing, well, now you, now you got to pay to operate it. And right. that's a long-term cost, and that's a big part of... Yeah. The T's budget has been going up and right. up, and, and this is part of the reason that you know, if you dig down and you say, right, there's more service out on the road. It's not just the fact that healthcare costs are going up and right. all that. Well, so to yeah, the I, I I think there in some respects there there is more service. There's also, um, I think bus service might actually have declined um, over that period. So it may be that yeah. the people who need the tea the most, the people who ride the bus, are actually getting the short end of it because we've you know, because we're give, putting more commuter rail out there for right. whatever reason. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. About that. Well, no. So the uh, then there's there's also the challenge that uh, new expansions don't necessarily bring in additional re additional revenue because, say, for example, the green line uh, the green line extension through Somerville that's probably not going to generate more trips. It it might just take more people off of buses. Right. Um, which, in a way, you know, again, it's a way to add capacity, uh, but. Um, and also, yeah. all transit is run at a loss, right? Yeah. I mean, excuse, I, I know Evan Horowitz wrote a piece in The Globe where it was like a really good explainer of like how to understand the T. And one of the things he said right. was the T is always going to run at a loss. It's not going to make money. Right. You, know, you shouldn't expect that the fares are going to cover the, the cost, right? right? Um, and I thought that was really helpful um, to under, to explain to people because some people really do think that the fares cover the cost. Right. Other people, you know, on Twitter were very upset that he said that because they were like, well, no, we shouldn't think of the T as a, as something that loses money, you know, but uh, it, it, you know, I think it's semantics really. But the, <laughs> the point yeah. is, yeah, but the point is you put more service out there, it's not going to pay for itself in the conventional way that riders pay for it. There are things, right. there are ways that you can do expansions and capture real estate value that's mm -hmm. generated by unlocking access to that real estate, which would then uh, throw off some money, not only to do the capital, but then kind of on an ongoing kind of tax increment basis, you could maybe use it to do some of the operating too. Right. There's so, also ways of, um, sorry, there's also ways yeah. of um, using using capital funding to to save yourself operating money. You know, if you look at I mean, if you look at the Orange Line being a, you know, when they relocated the Orange Line in the 70s and then in the 80s, mm -hmm. I mean, that mm -hmm. was an example of what not to do because now you have all these buses that were going to Dudley and now they're going all the Ruggles and that, that as they right. had you know, mm -hmm. but with the, whereas the opposite being like, say you extended the Orange Line down in Roslindale and West Roxbury or the Blue Line to Lynn or there's a couple other examples that right. you could make, you know, all these buses that are coming, that are going right. into these places or, you know, like Silver Line down Blue Hill, what is it, Blue Hill and Warren Avenue. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, these kinds of things where, where, like, if you actually, you know, if you look at the cost, what it costs to operate different kinds of services. And we have services that are running at, you know, at or very close to break even. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, you, it's good that you, I think it's good that you talk about buses. I mean, I take buses from Alston to get to the Orange, to the Red Line when I'm not riding my bike to work. And they're really important. I, you know, there was a good report that came out today. Um, that the Bar Foundation just just did, and uh, Mass Inc., who's the you know kind of the parent of the Mass Inc. Pulling Group, was on this study group that they they convened. It was to look at BRT bus rapid transit and, yep. and whether it would work in Boston. So they hired like a technical consultant to come in and do like a routes analysis and a ridership analysis. And they basically found that there were about a dozen places where it could probably make sense. And then they really honed in on five that they thought would work. Um, 
And of course, you know, on top of that, there's also this, all this talk about the Olympics and, you know, uh, uh, could, could you use bus rapid transit in dedicated lanes for the Olympics and to get athletes around and then when the Olympics leaves, could that become something for Boston? <laughs> yeah. Um, but we did ask about the Olympics in the T-Pole, and we can get to that in a second. But sure. um, just the idea, I think, you know, things like bus rapid transit, which you can do really for less money than rail and, um, and in a shorter period of time, could be a good solution. Um, running these DMU trains on the existing commuter rail um, system, yeah, right. I mean, it poses a lot of operational challenges because you're running so much stuff on the same tracks. But if uh, that's another way to kind of make good, kind of smarter use of the stuff we already have, I kind of feel like, given the climate, that we're going to have to really start thinking about sort of those sorts of things right. as opposed to, like, creating a brand new tunnel to run something right. through or, or, you know, something like that. And, and a lot of that will, a lot of that, and we've talked about this before also, is dependent on people's understanding of, of or, or I guess maybe perceptions of who owns the street and, and because uh, this, this things like BR, BRT, especially down you know Blue Hill Ave, yeah. that uh, that's that's a that's a real that's a real challenge in trying to trying to to talk to people and and uh, get to this level of understanding where. Um, even though we're taking away lanes of parking or mm -hmm. lanes of of, of uh, vehicle traffic, that in in doing in widening the reservation or making a reservation, in, in, like in the case of Blue Hill Ave, where there is none, making a reservation for buses is a way that uh, in, in any way offsets any of those takings. You know, it's it's a it's this very delicate conversation that yeah. that also comes from a from a top down policy level. Um, take for example the uh, the South Boston um, <laughs> one way streets, and, and actually uh, I think um, we engaged in a small conversation over Twitter this morning with um, with uh, Livable Streets and uh, and uh, bike uh, Southie Southie bikes, and uh, in regards to keeping those keeping those one way streets permanent. Um, but also doing possibly doing angle back angled back in parking, um, kind of like what uh, San mm. Francisco does on their streets. Mm -hmm. But then, like balancing that out, you know, do, do you do you really want to add more parking when and also still have people demanding that, say, for example, buses like the seven and the nine and the one uh, and the four are able to actually get to where they need to go, you know. Where is that balance, and and then trying to have that on a, on a policy level across the city to say address things like yeah. uh, space savers, for example. Yeah, it's. It reminds, a, it's okay. I'm sorry, I was just going to say we actually do have a poll number about parking. Um, mm -hmm. I, first, it, it should go without saying, given the whole space saver thing, that it is like a huge issue for people. But we this was back during the 2013 mayoral race. We did a couple of polls for WBUR on that. And we asked um, a question of, you know, what was your, what's your top transportation concern in the city of Boston? Park. So this is just the <laughs> city of Boston, right? Yeah. And 38%, uh, so the plurality of people, because there were a lot of options here we gave them. We gave them transit. We gave them congestion and, you know, parking. 38% of people, far and away the, the top thing was parking. Um, and that's something that I think people who advocate for alternate modes of transportation, and I ride my bike and I, um, and I uh, take the T, um, and walk places, but I also um, drive as well. Um, forget sometimes is that the parking is right really important. Now there, I think there are some parts of the of the city where, um, given the demographics and given the amount of parking that's available, you could do some really interesting things about managing parking and coming up with some novel strategies and stuff. And um, Alston, where I live, I think is a good example. But I think you'd have to really pilot it somewhere where you think it, it would work and. Southie and Dorchester have a very different attitude about this than, than people in Austin Brighton do. Absolutely. Um, the, the thing about the, this whole <clears throat> conversation about parking, you know, it really frustrates me because, um, I, you know, I, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, I, I drive a service vehicle for a living, and I, I almost never have any trouble parking when I want to take a break or something, you know, when I can't just, like, you know, like park in a no, you know, no parking zone or whatever, when I need an actual spot. Like, I almost never have trouble finding a spot somewhere, but I think there's this, and, and talking to people about this kind of confirms that there's this, there's this expectation that 
you know, I need to be able to park like on my street, on my block. directly like, in front of my you house. Know, and, and it's like, hello, you know, like I, we, you know, we travel, take the T, whatever. Like I have to walk at least a few blocks to get to any mode of transportation. Right. Um, mm. So there's that. And, and, and what, what this kind of ties back to, I think, is that um, a bunch of transit advocates have been having this conversation lately is that, you know, we sort of, we sort of, you know, tiptoe around the edges of this parking thing and we you know make a proposal and people come out oh i don't know there's my parking spots and we're like oh it's gonna be okay you know? but we we how can we sort of have this conversation maybe we need to just just all out have this conversation about parking yeah. and about you know using parking being one of the one of the potential uses of street space right right so you talk about you know, talk about the issue of angle parking well you know you could use angle parking so that you know to to Instead of having parking on on two two blocks, let's say, you know, you just have angle parking on one and one point two pieces, or yeah, you know, right. whatever. Yeah. And it's so it's just having this discussion about about using thinking about parking as part of the whole as one of the uses, right. so the other yeah. uses being bus lanes and bike lanes and parklets yeah. and other things. Yeah, I will say that, um, but bus rapid transit does definitely put different um, demands on the municipality than the other modes do, right? Because, like, most cities would be thrilled to get a new subway line or a light rail or something like that. But right. when you're taking away parking uh, or taking away a travel lane, right. you know, that's a very different conversation. That, and the, the municipality needs to really kind of step up and sort of be part of that conversation. The other, the other thing that's interesting about kind of BRT and buses in general is that so much of, I think, what, what would make something like that successful is not even operational it's more marketing mm -hmm. you know yeah. and 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 we found this in our 2012 2013 work when we were doing focus groups around the state you know just asking people you know their opinions of different kinds of transit different ways of getting around people really had i mean you know most people love the subway they love the light rail they love ferries i think it's great they really don't like buses people don't like to take the bus and they think it's dirty and they think it's unsafe sometimes and they never know when they're going to come and they don't like that they have to wait out in the cold for them there's all these things that you know you almost need to do like a whole branding campaign and i think this is part of you know successful brt systems do this they you know almost make it its own mode that it's not a bus anymore that it's right. something completely entirely different we so, kind of need a pro-transit dictator in a way because right. I, so much of this is like yeah okay you could say you know about marketing whatever but what this all comes down to is that the, at least as i see it is that you know we we operate you know like the the, the red line and the orange line and the blue line you know i mean he's mm -hmm. putting aside the green line for example mm -hmm. line essentially being in the bus category mm -hmm. I mean, but we operate really good heavy rail service you know, for the most part, I mean, obviously, it's underfunded and all that. But, you know, for the most part, it's like, yeah, you know, you go down, like, you, you want to take on the red line. You go down there, and the station isn't closed, and, you know, you pay before you board, and you get on quickly, and yeah. it's a lot of room, and, you know, and it goes fast, and all these things. And then, you know, just you get on the bus, it's just because we run really <laughs> yeah. shitty bus service. And that's pretty much true everywhere in the country. Yeah. And yeah, I... so if we ran some good bus service, and the, the trick is, like, how do we get this demonstration project? So that people like once well, people see it, they'll be like, "Oh, this is great." How do yeah. we get that on the ground? You know, in this climate where everybody just distrusts what you right. have yeah. done. Before. I think. I mean, there is this new Silver Line extension, the Silver Line Gateway, that's going to go up into yep, to Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah. and um, which is really promising. But part of the reason it's promising, though, is because it's on this independent, like, Massport Hall Road that they put in to actually for trucks, and now it's going to be trucks and and, and buses. Right. Um, but that's not really dealing with the problem that BRT needs to contend with in the middle of like a kid like if you were to do this on the one bus and turn the one route into the beer into BRT you'd yeah. have to take you're running it through you know the middle of the city and you have to do some pretty significant taking of uh, parking and, and lanes and stuff like that I mean it would just be a whole other conversation I think. right so it's a, I think it's a really promising mode and, right. and I think it's great to, to try to talk more about it because I think it's going to end up being more cost-effective than a lot of things. Yeah. But the big question is overcoming a sense that people think that it's inferior and think that they should they should right. have something else. Right. And, and that's going to be the real the real difficulty. And, you know, our polling shows that, and I just know anecdotally and just, just talking to people, you just sense that. You know? Right. So, you're, we're, so we're competing. So as far as championing for BRT – um, advocates and and the T and MassDOT and, and planners are are fighting. It's a it's a two two sided war. The the side of 
the uh, the per- the uphill battle against the the perception of buses, but then also the conversation about who who belongs on the street or who deserves X amount of space on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I, and, I, and it's definitely very symbiotic with that conversation that people like Liverpool Streets are having about the street, the you know, the nature of the street. You know, the buses should have their own space, just like bikes and pedestrians should right. have their own space. But it is a, it is upping the stakes i will say right because it's you can you know we have been putting in bike lanes um without a whole lot of disruption to parking right the next frontier is to you know to do the 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 protected bike lanes and cycle tracks um and that's you know a whole other conversation and and it's hard to it's hard we haven't been too i don't think we've been all that successful yet in terms of just actually getting that stuff that started and and it's it's going to be it's going to be tough to do Mm -hmm. we haven't made the argument that i think that's where we need to yeah focus on that we haven't made the argument that trans that transit in in, you know bikes and and walking these are very important modes and we want to promote these because of x y and z and right on and on and it's not just like, well, you know, you could, I think you could be okay without a couple parking spots, but like, you know, so these few people can, you know, and it's like, it needs to move to the next level. It's yeah. like, you know, this is a really important thing. And, you know, the, the bus, an individual bus is serving hundreds of people on each trip. And there's one of you in your car in that spot and you haven't moved all day and that's a right. waste of space and you need to stop doing that right yeah one, one silver lining may be coming out of just the the, the problems with <laughs> the sea uh, um, <laughs> would be i think that people understand a little bit better now yeah that when the t fails that a lot more people end up in their cars oh yeah absolutely and i think that that i don't have any polling to back that up just you know we did not ask that question. Um, it would be a really interesting question to ask whether people get that connection. But I, it just, it's just in terms of, like, media coverage and what people are saying about it. It seems now to be a pretty credible thing, whereas I think if you had said that back in 2012, 2013, a lot of people said, would have said, oh, those people don't matter to me. It's a completely separate thing. Right, right. I think people, the more that people understand that all the modes are connected to one another um, is probably a good thing right. uh, in terms of, the question is like you know can you then turn that into a policy that says like yeah we should we should treat them equally and we should fund them equally or not equally because we need to be also acknowledge that outside of Boston the vast majority of people are driving right you right know? Um, there's only the densities that we need to do a lot of the things that transit people want to do really exist in Boston and they exist to a certain extent in some of the gateway cities and and, and they don't really exist in a lot of the other places and rural transit or transit in in in, in area and other kinds of areas as a whole is a whole other conversation that's definitely worth having but mm-hmm. well, it's different. that's a big part of it and that's a big part of the discussion that's been going on and you know do we maybe yeah maybe like you said we don't want to get into this now i'm curious if there's if there are things that you know we can because we've always tried to look to what can we do for these the, i don't want to say the other people i'm going to get a a lot of hate mail for that, but I don't mean it. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. So, like, what do we, what do we, like, if everybody's got to get something, you know, what do we do for these, you know, suburban rural people who, you know, don't ever understand how the tea could possibly be helping the state's economy and all that, mm. and just are not going to be supported? Like, is there stuff that we, like, what can we do to sort of improve stuff in, in there, or, or do we just write them off and we just say, you know, look, we're gonna, like, we're gonna tax or the people who. In, inside 128, for example, even though that's inherently unfair, but you know what? Like, we're going to just do that, focus on here, raising money from Boston and Cambridge and Quincy, yeah. et cetera. Is that where you see this going? I think that, um, so I don't, I don't know exactly where it's going. It, you know, the governor did not include any new revenue in his budget, and the House has indicated that they don't want to include any new revenue. And, you know, even if the Senate wanted to, I'm not sure if they could if those two are not simpatico. So, you know, the, then the question becomes: Should there be, you know, another way to do it? And a lot of um, a lot of places around the country do are funding their transit much differently than we do. We're kind of unique that the whole state is paying for the T. Um, a lot of other places, it's really the region that's being served by the the system is paying a lot more for the the system. It's just a structural difference, you know. So so a metropolitan area is that's getting the service is actually investing in the service and. We don't really have that right now. The, the the MBTA assessments that the cities and towns pay, there's 175 cities and towns, they all pay an assessment. I'm sure it's 
adjust it according to how much service they get. Right. Yes. It's but, by formula. Yeah. By well, formula. actually, that, that's not. Well, yes, you're 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 right in, in overall, but it doesn't change when services change. Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was so, made, when they did forward funding, they kind of got rid of the idea that you know you get X service and you build X amount. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's um, so the, I, I heard that the, the city and town share. It was a meeting last night. Somebody said this, and so don't call me on it. But I heard the, the city and town assessments have declined from when the MBTA started in 1964, was it? Yep. Um, they, they, they were about 25%, and now it's about 10%. Yeah, I, uh, that's exactly what I was just going to say was exactly that. Not exactly that statistic because I didn't know the part about <laughs> 1964, but I do think it's now about 9% of the T's budget is, is, the, is the local right. assessments. And they have a hard time raising them because of Prop 2.5. Um, right. You know, they can't – there's only so far they can go in terms of, like, you can raise their assessment, but they don't. If they don't have the money to pay the assessment, then you know what are you going to do? So there's a, that, that's an interesting structural problem. But so there is this general question: the idea that maybe the people who get the T service should 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 be thinking about paying more. Um, the other idea, and this is there's a there's a bill in the legislature on this right now, um, is uh, regional financing for transportation, which we don't really do a lot of right now. We don't have counties in a meaningful way in Massachusetts the way that other places have them. But um, the idea would be that local communities or groups of local communities could get together and choose to raise a payroll tax, a sales tax, various other kinds of taxes. Um, I forget all the ones that are on the list. Uh, for this express purpose of investing in transportation. Um, these have been successful in other parts of the country, as I understand it. Um, in 2014, you know, a year when Republicans were just, you know, sweeping across the country, 70% um, of these things across the country passed mm -hmm. for transit. You know, so pro-transit ones passed and then anti-transit ones failed. So, you know, on the local level, if you give people um, uh, the option, they, they tend to take it. I, I will, well, this, this relates a little bit to the stuff we did in 2012 and 2013. We found that the more details and specificity that you can give people about how their money is going to get used, the higher the support for the revenue option goes. Yes, yes, um, of course. The lockbox principle, if you will. So that, you know, people, like I said, they, a very large percentage of them are fearful that the money is going to be wasted or redirected. Um, but if you say to them specifically, it's going to, it, you know, we're going to use this to extend the commuter rail out to you. We're going to use this to build a, you know, a trolley car in downtown Lowell or something like that. Um, there's, a, there's a project on that uh, being proposed to do that. Mm -hmm. um, it would actually be funded by real estate, um, as I understand it, not by a local, by a local tax. Um, but so the more spe specific that you can be about it, um, the, 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 the higher the support tends to go on those things. Mm -hmm. and I presume that also comes, specificity also comes with somehow accessibility, making that in, that that detail accessible to people and being, yeah. being able to understand the the level of specifics as opposed to, well, we're spending X million dollars, going back to the, the context issue, the, the context problem. Yeah. You know, do people understand what a million dollars really buys? I think that you'd also have this thing where, you know, you'd have a really hard time doing a, a regional ballot in the MBTA service area just to ha just to maintain the service we have now, um, if you sold it to people at that. Because they would say, well, I'm already paying for that. You should be able to do it yourselves. Again, it gets back to this idea that the, the funds are being wasted or mismanaged. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you were to take the same uh, same thing and then repackage it a little bit and say, um, well, you know, we're going to buy the new red and the orange line cars or we're going to improve the, the, the signals. And by doing these things, you're commute will get shorter or we'll be able to move more people and it won't be as crowded. If you can explain the benefits to people in a way that makes them discreet and real and makes people feel them, then maybe people will be more supportive. I still think it's tough compared to like a brand new project, mm -hmm. you know. So places that have done this, like North Carolina, they put in their, their light rail, they did regional ballots on that. And, you know, that's a brand new service. It's shiny and new. You know, it's like the monorail episode of The, of the Simpsons. You can, you know, you you can, can cut a ribbon for that. that. Yeah, you can cut yeah. a ribbon for that a little bit. So we should be cutting ribbons for fixing power and signals and stuff after the winter we've yeah. had. That's a big, that would be a really big deal if we could fix that stuff. Oh, yeah. Cool. So we only have a couple minutes left, but um, is there anything else we want to touch on before we wrap up? Well, I just wanted to, I, I wanted to really highlight what you said actually before, uh, 
before we actually started recording, you mentioned uh, the the volume of t- uh, of transit oriented development and growth, and how that TOD requires the T to work. Um, you know, that's 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 very important to to keep note of, is considering the fact that yeah, Boston is growing, and um, and that we have all of these developments that it, that effectively Boston is growing up while the city rots from below. So, um, so that's a very 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 important uh, to, uh, factor to to take take with us as we move forward. So, uh, but yeah, I really do like that idea of of cutting a ribbon for a new power system. Um, you know, I think it. I, I think. Um, I, I, I think mayors like um, uh, Kurt Tony would definitely be more than happy to to uh, be present for things like that. But he's already got his own his own uh, ribbon cuttable uh, project going on. So yeah, tra- uh, transportation is not yeah. our polling shows transportation is not sexy. It's not the kind of thing that people normally prioritize. But when it breaks, people get really concerned about it and upset right. about it. And that's kind of the yeah. moment that we've just come through. The big question from a polling perspective is will it continue to be that way or as the T kind of limps back into, you know, uh, service and it, it's still struggling, you know, we've been looking at the commuter rail counts and they're really not great and right. they're very inconsistent. Different lines are being, are, are suffering more than others right now. And you can go on our, our you know, massingpolling.com website and, and read about that if you'd like. Um, uh, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a whole, the question is, what is this going to do going forward? What's it going to do for the Olympics? I mean, support for the Olympics in Boston cratered, flipped from support to opposed in our poll, mm-hmm. and in large part because of MBTA riders. MBTA riders were the group that moved the most. So right. that's, you know, this is going to have consequences on politics beyond just transportation right. um, for some time to come. So it's going to be a really interesting time to, to look at all this stuff. And thank you very much yeah. for you know having having me on to talk about well, it. Thank you for for joining us here. And uh, yeah, we certainly hope that uh, maybe some level of that of that transportation issue amnesia, uh, you know, Massachusetts has kind of gotten out of. Because um, <laughs> we're hoping that when the snow finally melts, maybe we're hoping in a couple of weeks, if if temperatures stay stay where they are. You know that people actually don't immediately forget after you know. So well, I hope that this is this is starting this is catching on because um, you know people see the the continued delays. You know we have, I mean, yep. we have issues in the summer, so I think I think this is this is a time when it's it's starting to change. Uh, maybe I'm just too optimistic, but you know I, I think that this is the time that um, if only there were somebody that was trying yeah. to uh, trying to take this momentum and do something with it. Right. Yeah. Well, someone like Transit Matters. So actually, uh, before we close out here, let's uh, we'll put out a little reminder. If we if we do get this podcast up before next Wednesday, uh, next Wednesday on the 11th, uh, be sure to join us for our uh, our another event of beer and transit, um, where we'd like to actually get to hear your opinions, and we'll be organizing a little bit more um, about. Uh, Getting that information out there to people and doing a lot more transit advocacy uh, and and generating that transit positive conversation. So uh, stick uh, actually check out our website and um, our website at transitmatters.info, our Facebook page uh, transit matters or facebook.com/transitmatters and our Twitter handle uh, transitmatters. <laughs> uh, and um, we'll definitely be putting out information about. Uh, where you'll where you'll see us there, uh, where you'll where we'll be holding this, um, and uh, I do believe that we will have a special guest, um, former transportation secretary James Aloisi, will be joining us if uh, if all goes well. So oh nice, oh. got to uh, yeah, we got to promote that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's a, he's a good guy, and he's 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 written a lot uh, in recent in uh, recent weeks and mm-hmm. yeah. uh, gone on a lot of media actually recent months or even years maybe yeah he's about, been great on this yeah and, he's, uh, he writes for he writes a lot of his stuff for Commonwealth Magazine which shameless plug is uh, published by Mass Inc which so, is where we're recording today yeah and, and what, right. is it, what is it you call it is it the daily download yeah is so really Commonwealth Magazine has a, a, a newsletter called the daily download that you can sign up for for free and we at uh, Mass Inc. Polling just started our own newsletter we've only done two of them Three of them actually now. Um, it's a bi-weekly newsletter though, because uh, you know we actually have you know polling and stuff that we do. So the the newsletter is kind of something we do for fun. But um, it's, mean- it's polling, it's <laughs> politics, it's data. This week it was data. It was data about the commuter rail. So um, like it, it basically, if you live in Melrose or Malden, you're kind of in the the hellmouth of the MBTA <laughs> right now. It's kind of what we found. So. Yeah, you can find out more information about um, Commonwealth Magazine at commonwealthmagazine.org. Um, there, 
Uh, you can find the download, um, which is actually at commonwealthmagazine.org slash category slash the hyphen download, um, which I'm sure you can also find on the main page. Um, and, uh, and you, can, you can make it go to your inbox, too, so you can sign up as an email yep. thing. So. There is a subscribe to the download uh, thing in the sidebar there. And, of course, when you go to our website, you can also... Uh, subscribe to our download. Uh, we do have a mail campaign that does synthesize, uh, I'm sorry, syndicate our blog posts and brings it right to your mailbox. And that's also a great way for us to give you more information about meetups, activities, and things that we are planning for the future to keep the ball rolling on this transit advocacy. And you can also find out about uh, all of the stuff that we talked about today at uh, massingpolling.com. Do we have a, do we have time for one more quick, uh, quick item? Sure, sure. Um, so the only because I see this on the we have the daily download thing pulled up and I see this on here and this has got me uh, you know my head is about to explode the hot um, the rebate hot potato yes the rebate hot potato um, actually we'll spend about ten minutes talking about refunds and a little bonus episode to follow this one so look out for that I guess Jeremy I'll let yeah. you uh, sign us off here I gotta read my line here well, <laughs> my, well I don't read lines <laughs> I, I'm like I'm like the uh, the mini uh, you know aspiring uh, Beverly Scott you know I. Uh, I say what I, I say what's you, on my mind yep, here. Yep. You spit some uh, truth, man. You spit some truth. <laughs> yep. uh, there we go. Um, so yeah, uh, this is uh, close out our show. Thanks for thanks for hanging out with us. Um, this is um, yeah. So we got time for you can follow us online, uh, transmitmatters.info, and find out a lot. Uh, find out more about a lot of what we talked about today at massingpolling.com. Uh, thank you again, Rich Parr, the research director with Mass Inc. Polling Group. And, uh, yeah, you can find out more about you. If you want to follow me, I am at Critical Transit on Twitter and uh, in other places, too. You can follow me, Mark Ibunya, on the main Transit Matters Twitter account. You can also follow Josh Fairchild at Hatchbacks31, uh, Hatchback Singular 31 on Twitter. And I'm at uh, RichPar79, and it's P-A-R-R. And you can also follow Mass Inc. Polling itself uh, via Mass Inc. Polling, no spaces, no underscores, also on Twitter. Visit transitmatters.info for all the latest news and updates. I was interviewed recently on Radio Boston on WBUR, uh, also the uh, NPR station in Boston. And so uh, you might want to check that out. I, I uh, posted in, uh, in a blog post with a link to that. So uh, check that out if you're interested and uh, send in your thoughts. Oh, also don't forget to update your RSS feed. Transitmatters.info slash whatever the hell. Go, uh, go on the website and check it out. Thank you again for listening. Tune in to our next podcast for more transit news and digest because transit matters.